it's AP Reread, and today we have Anum, Allison, Fizza, and Anna, and a special guest, Mr. Bundalo. And today we're just going to be discussing literary impacts on our lives. Yay! I'm so excited. So, Fizza, do you want to start us off? Um, yeah, so, Mr. Bundalo, we have, like, I just wanted to start off with one question, like, was there any, like, book in your youth that just, like, really, like, stuck with you, like, anything that you still carry to your day, any story? I mean, well, how young are you talking about? Are you talking about, like, being a little boy? Are you talking middle school? All of the above? Um, just any story that stuck with you, like... It doesn't so matter gonna, which time period. Yeah, like, I'm going to give you a few of them. I'm going to give you, um, as a very, very young child, the story Where the Wild Things Are. If you know that, um, I love that story. And I don't, like as an adult, I think a little bit about it. And I, I don't know if I felt like I was like Max, <laughs> sort of like mischievous, imaginative kid. Um, I was also the youngest of three children. And I had two older sisters. And so like a lot of my imagination or play as a little kid, like that was, that was me. And a lot of that was sort of like me by myself. And as an adult, I look at it. And I think that the, like the relationship between the mom and the the little boy is really interesting, right? Because dad's not there. Is he working? Is, Is he not in the picture? And, you know, like the mother's love in that, not in that short story is really, really sweet because she's, you know, at the end of the story, he comes back from the, the, the land of the wild things and dinner's still there and it's warm, you know, and so I think that's sweet. I don't know why I love that story. As a, little, as a little kid, it sticks with me. My sons aren't interested in it. I have that book and I read that to them. And they're just like, eh. <laughs> so, so, um, then, so I kind of go from there to like in middle school for me, I was not like the voracious reader that I feel like a lot of my AP students are. And I think that part of that is I don't think that there was the same market of like young adult literature for my age group as there was for your generation. I think that's something that's unique. Like Harry Potter happened and Hunger Games, Twilight, all of these series just mm-hmm. blew up. You know, I know you guys all talked about um, Fancy Nancy, right? Um, yeah. And Junie B. Jones. Uh, Fancy Nancy's a TV show now. My boys actually watched it. They like Fancy Nancy. So shout out, to, shout out to Anna there. <laughs> but then Junie B. Jones, my, so my son's first grade teacher reads them Junie B. Jones during their like lunch break. And he came home like two days ago and said, dad, we should get some Junie B. Jones books. I was like, heck yeah, let's roll, dude. <laughs> so I picked a couple up in the library. So he's excited about those. But for me in middle school, that was where... Like the library, my mom used to take us to the library a lot as a little kid. I loved going to the library. I think I liked the library more than I liked books almost. Um, But that might sound strange, but it makes a ton of sense to me. But then in middle school, the record store, that replaced the library for me. I used to go to Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving anytime I had $10. And I would go there and I feel like such an old person telling the story. I feel like I'm talking about like my 50 cent bus fare or something like that. But I used to go there and they had, you know, they had the station where there were like eight or 10 like different booths with like stereo headphones. And there was a CD that you could put the headphones on and listen to. And for me, that was like flipping through books at the library. 
Um, I used to go there and look at all of the, like the rock and roll t-shirts that they had and see which ones looked the coolest. And I would buy records or CDs based off of just that, you know what I mean? So storytelling and literature for me in, in junior high music was a really big part of that. And I think somebody, one of you four mentioned, may have mentioned music as something that was really important to you. Am I right about that? So who was that? Was that Fizza? It might have been me. I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah, honestly, I feel like it could be all of us because we're yeah. all, like, in choir and stuff. Yeah. So oh, all cool. of us here are in choir. Um, Anam and I were in band. I, I'm still in band. Allison, yeah. were you in band? Or Anna? No, but she plays the drums. I she plays the drums. drums. <laughs> yeah. No way, for real? Yeah. Like... Yeah, I think you play like the drum kit, like you're just your rock and crash cymbal hi hat kick drum, right? I I started in freshman year and then I stopped and then I just started again this year. So I'm not great, but I'm getting back into it. Are you like a punk rock drummer? Like what's your what's your style? I don't know if I have a style yet. I'm just I'm trying to find it. That's cool. That's right. But yeah, music was such a big part. I mean you know, I was I was an athlete growing up in freshman year of high school. I had this really bad knee injury. And for two years, I couldn't play sports. And like, it, it was so coincidental that that summer before freshman year, right before I hurt my knee, I, you know, I had started playing guitar and that became such a big part of my life. But, you know, the, some of my favorite storytellers are musicians, they're songwriters. And that's such a huge part of my life. And so I love books and I love reading, but more than that, I love, I love stories and I love storytelling. And like I said, some of my favorite storytellers and writers, they are musicians, they are songwriters. And, you know, when I got to high school in my English classes in, um, I remember reading The Catcher in the Rye. That was sort of, whether you like that book or not, it's completely okay if you don't, because Holden Caulfield is exhausting. Like, I get it. <laughs> I actually like reread that book very recently and I was like, man, I get why people don't like it. But I just remember reading that book and thinking that Holden Caulfield for all of his, his life isn't so hard. <laughs> why is like, why is he so whiny? But I think that like, there's, there's something that he's looking for in his life that all of his privilege and his, you know, social class and he has friends, but like there's something he's looking for in life and sort of like trying to explore that he's not getting from just, basic human interaction but he does have these great relationships with his english teachers and you know there's something about there's a quote that his and mr antolini his english teacher talks about later um, about just the value of literature and how people have recorded their stories and experiences and that's what's beautiful about poetry and, and you know and history and literature and i remember reading that and that that meant a lot to me because i was like oh everything that i love about music everything i love about bruce springsteen or Bob Dylan, or Eddie Vedder, or all of these, you know, like, super basic white boy 90s classic rock fans that I was, like, listening to, everything about them, everything I loved about listening to those, like, oh, English classes where we dive into those types of people. Cool. This is my place. So The Catcher in the Rye was one, you know, I mentioned where the wild things are. I love Kurt Vonnegut, which I think is he's kind of lost in high school curriculums, but he's probably my favorite author. Um, he's hilarious. He's a satirist. Um, I loved reading his stuff. And then in college, a book in which you have all read, The Bluest Eye, was a book that was really kind of transcendental for me in terms of like what literature could do because 
you all had a wonderful conversation about representation, which I can't, I, I hope that we get to talk a little bit more about that. But I remember reading that book and I remember finishing the chapter that was about Charlie and feeling like I just had to like put the book down and like let it sit and let it land. I had never read a character like that. I had never read a book like that. And that sort of like blew up the, like the potential for what literature could be. And so um, there's a great metaphor when you talk about representation that literature is both a mirror and a window. And I think it's really satisfying to like, see yourself reflected in literature, which is something I know that you all talked about. But then, you know, that was the first book that was really like this window into this world and a person who was so very, very different for me that just landed so strongly. So Fizz, I can see that you're like kind of reacting to that. Yeah, isn't that? Um, yeah, I was just, I was looking at Anum because we our RE class this year, like religious ed class, is all about Muslim literature. Um, so, uh, like, all of the references, we have to keep, like, tying them back to how um, literature is a window, a door, or a mirror. So, like, when you said that, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's... Yeah, I think it's something that, like, I feel like there's a TED Talk where somebody kind of, like, details that, and it's kind of gotten, like, you know, pretty, like, in in the culture of, like, hip and woke English teachers, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's, uh, it's it's so important. So those are, the, those are the texts that I think landed, that if I had to reach and think about them, those are the ones that were most influential to me as a young person. I also had another question. Um, if you could be like in any book for one day, which book would you choose? And so that's just so darn hard. Um, can I pick a movie? Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to hang out with Will Hunting and all of his boys in Boston. I want to talk like them. I want to, <laughs> I like that's, that's 100% what I want to do. I, I just want to ride around in a car and eat cheeseburgers with those dudes. That's where I want to hang out. A good answer. I want to. I want to curse at Chucky. I want to do all of those things. Like I saw that movie in like middle school, seventh or eighth grade, and I feel like I have never heard somebody speak with a Boston accent before. That's like the coolest accent I've ever heard. So I, I, I just want to hang out there. I'll hang out with them. I want to go to the library with Will. I want to pick out some books. I want to talk about like philosophy or some stuff like that. That's what I want to do. Can we hear your accent? <laughs> I haven't worked on my Boston accent in a really long time. Like what it was like, Pak the Cod, Havid Yad, right? Like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it was, well, it's, see, the thing is, because I've, <laughs> I, I, I practice all like the, the curse word lines from that movie. So I don't know if that's like podcast appropriate right now. It's okay. Um, we can put like a uh, disclaimer. Hey, you, I, I feel like you in Anchor, you can like, you can bleep stuff out too, can't you? Yeah, we can. <laughs> and the, my favorite scene in that movie, they're driving in the car and uh, double burger, double burger. Chuck, I had a double burger. Would you shut up? I know what you ordered. I was there. So give me, so stop being a prick and give me my sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, so this is a very unique uh, turn. So a lot of these, a lot of these like discussions kind of like, 
you know, I, I, they're kind of like canned responses about <laughs> where the wild things are, but uh, I have not had to perform my Boston accent in a, in a, in a podcast <laughs> yet, so that was fun. <laughs> Um, maybe. Anna, I think you wrote a question, right? Yes, was it? Um, I think Anna got kicked from the anchor. Oh, no, she's there. It was Allison. Oh. No, we're all here. Oh. I'm just not we're hearing here. Anna. I'm just not hearing Anna in my headphones. Yeah, me either. Oh, I'm hearing her. Okay. <laughs> I see you, Anna. I see you connected. Go ahead, and I can rephrase the question, or we can just go from. Go ahead, Anna. Go ahead and read your question. Um, did you ever have like an English teacher or a teacher that really like has influence on how you teach now? Um, absolutely, and almost every single one of them. Um, what are some of like, the things or traits they did that you like, like, to apply to yourself in your own classrooms? Uh, so my sophomore year, Mr. Lovelace, it was his very last year teaching. And this is 1999, I want to say, if I get that right. It was his very last year teaching. And like go back to technology in 1999. And he was so excited as we started reading The Lord of the Flies. He was like, came Boys and girls, I'm so excited about this. He had wheeled in a cart with a laptop computer and a, an external hard drive, which, which was called a zip disk drive. This is technology that you probably had no idea existed. But PowerPoint presentations with images and like animation, like animated images, GIFs, which we would call them right now, took up so much space that the average computer like couldn't hold a PowerPoint presentation. So you're talking about a teacher who was in his very last year of teaching and spent all summer learning PowerPoint, creating all these brand new PowerPoints to like teach us about the Lord of the Flies. And I'll never forget like the joy that was in Mr. Lovelace's face. He had these like reading glasses where he used to look over, look over his reading glasses at you like this, you know? but I'll just never forget the joy that was in his face when he clicked and there was like this little plane that went like this <laughs> across the, like across the screen and landed on this Island and then like burst into flames. And it was the most like basic animation you could ever imagine, but he was so excited. And so like proud of himself. And so the thing I take away from that as an English teacher is that I have to always, always be learning and developing and I can never get comfortable in doing things the old way. Because Mr. Lovelace in his very last year, like the guy was a wonderful teacher. Like he could have just put it on cruise control, right? I, I don't think that we would have lost much, but I know that that's really, really important for us as teachers to continue to learn and develop and reach students in new ways. But then also my junior year physics teacher, Mr. Rush, was probably my favorite class in all of high school. I loved physics. Everything in physics made just so much darn sense to me. I was, you know, humble brag, I was a whiz with physics. I loved it. <laughs> but the thing that he did also, he, he played guitar. And he used to write these stupid songs about 
F equals M times A. You know, he redid Bon Jovi's uh, Dead or Alive, and the song was called With Newton I Ride. And it was all about, you know, like Newton's laws of physics. And that was just, you know, like that's that's my version of cool. <laughs> so like, I think that that was just like the coolest thing. So those are my two, um, two individual teachers that I would point to, but it's it, cause just, I think when you look at me, who I am as a teacher, like that's, those are the two people I see kind of the most, but I'm very, very grateful for all of my English teachers. They're all great people. And right? I, you know, they're my people and those are the people I connect with. So. So your physics yeah, teacher was the inspiration. Was he inspirational to me? No, uh, I was going to say, so your physics teacher was an inspiration for um, Bundle It Rocks. A hundred percent. And I have like, so my first two years teaching, I taught at my old high school with my old physics teacher. Like he was there while I was there. And I've, I, I send him my songs. <laughs> I send like the lyrics to him. Hey, I got this one about the great Gatsby. And he's, he's like, oh, that's awesome. And I'll share like the new ones that he's writing too. So yeah, absolutely. He is the inspiration. Mr. Jason Rush, he teaches at Vernon Hills High School now. Um, but he is the inspiration for hashtag bundle of rocks. And for that, we thank him. <laughs> um, so um, do you have any questions for us? Uh, I mean, I want to know. So, so you gotta be, are, are you willing to be brutally honest with me? Yes. yes. Okay. So, you know, older millennial white male checking in. I'm always trying to do really, really well um, by my students, like diverse identities and representation. I'm always aware that like, I have to learn and do more and do better and all of that. You know, I reflect on previous years and even when I was a much younger teacher and there are plenty of things I sort of like cringe at, <laughs> like, ooh, like you used to teach this book this way or that. You got any cringy moments from me this year? What's the cringiest, cringiest thing? Cringiest moment. I asked you if you were going to. Oh, I know physics. Okay, well, so give me. <laughs> Beyonce is cringy. Give me, give me the cringiness of Beyonce. I don't. I just don't like her. I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't either. But no, that, so that relatable to us. Um, yeah, I feel like there are other black artists who are more relatable. Um, also, music very much. <laughs> so, the, but wait, that's on that's on Beyonce. That's not on me. Like, to you, Beyonce yeah, or so yeah, that's not me. Bring, me bringing that in is cringy. I want to know what I did. Right, come on. Hi. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but it gave off very much millennial energy. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my beef, though. Like, we. Why aren't we a generational alliance here? And we keep coming back to this. What's what is your beef, you all? What is your beef with us? We gotta band together, don't you? The boomers, they're the problem. Like we have a lot more. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to divide us. They're trying to divide us. We can we can defeat them together. We can. Okay, but I feel like millennials like basic two personality traits are being lonely and Beyonce. <laughs> she did not have to say. She did not have to say. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Harry I got you. Dude, no. don't come for chill on a Harry Potter hate. Like you can't come for Harry Potter like that. 
I don't. I don't I'm like Harry Potter. Of Harry Potter so. See, but that's not like your classmates like Harry Potter too. Don't come for me on Harry Potter. That's not like that's not that's that's your that's your problem. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. on you. I have some things to say about those classmates. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, again, here's the thing I'm just going to say is that no book is perfect. And this is a representation conversation, right? No book, no one story is perfect. And that's okay. You know, we as English teachers, we kind of put a lot of like literature on a pedestal, right? We put it up here and say like, this is, this is good literature. You all must love this. And that's a problem because there's no perfect story. Um, you know, like you talk about To Kill a Mockingbird or so many different stories, all by themselves, they're just a story. They're a person sharing their experience. And we can talk about whether, you know, whether there are problems in the way people are imperfect, right? But when we put these things on a pedestal and when we say that this is the story you must, and these are the, the heroes that you must love and worship, that's when it becomes a problem. You know, I've, I've brought this up a couple of times. People who are my age, us, you know, 30s and 40s and people who are older than them, um, they... It's like we all read To Kill a Mockingbird as freshmen in high school. And we got this like made up certificate that said, congratulations, you've learned about empathy and you are not a racist, way to go. And like, that's, it. you know, Allison, I see you like, like, I see your eyes get wide at that, but that's kind of like, a, a, that's sort of the way that that book was delivered. And that's a problem. The book all, itself, all by itself isn't a problem. We can talk about how Atticus Finch is, somebody who stood up for justice, what was right, but then at the same time, didn't really defend the humanity of Tom Robinson. You know, I think something that people, it was very hard for people to see the sequel of To Kill a Mockingbird where Atticus Finch is a segregationist. And people are like, no, that's not the Atticus Finch I know. And I would like to say to those people, hold on a second, pump the brakes. Because you can believe that a human being should not go to jail for a crime that they did not commit. And also believe that that person's children are not worthy of attending the same school as your children. Both of those things can be beliefs that you have as a person. Um, and we can talk about that if we just read To Kill a Mockingbird and say that this is a book. But when we say this is the book, that becomes a problem. So like for you, if you don't take Harry Potter, cool. But let's talk about what you do. You know, it's like, hey, if, you know, if, if this isn't a song you boogie to, like, let's put something else on. You know, that's that's um, the way that I kind of look at that. So I want to empower you in your Harry Potter and Beyonce hate. There's no hate. It's just. I feel like she's always the go to, you know, and it's like there's more out there. So 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 help me out. Give me give me some more. Who should I be listening to? Who should I be exploring? Who should I be checking out? We all have different music tastes, I feel. Yeah. So that's just fine. I just... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you vibe with Beyonce, you vibe with Beyonce. Yo, I, but I'm not, I'm not telling you, I'm not defending what I vibe. I want to know what you vibe to. Give me some recommendations. Oh my God, there's like so many. I don't even know. <laughs> I like classical music sometimes. <laughs> so I like do I. Rock. Yo, Allison, let's talk like like Pearl Jam. You listen to Pearl Jam? Uh, sometimes, but they're not one of my favorites. But Who else? If it's on, I won't turn it off. Who else? 
I listen to Arctic Monkeys. That's like the yeah. number one. So it's cool. But like Vampire Weekend. Right. Okay. I feel like that's the most millennial band that I would listen to. Vampire Weekend. That's like so thirties, forties white dude music, right? No. Or are they cooler than that? I have no idea what's cool anymore. I'm just. How about this? Is the cringiest thing that I do like leaning into the elder millennial trope? Like, oh my god, he's doing his millennial thing again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So a couple of things, a couple of notes. So you guys don't have any more questions for me? I have a couple of notes from like when I listened to it. Maybe some oh, questions. Oh yeah, I do have a question. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I did not know what Wampad is. What the heck is that? Did that just come and go? Is that like MySpace? It's not a thing anymore? No, it's still a thing. It's okay. still a thing. What is it? Like, so real talk, my boys are five and seven. Do I need, like, do I need to get them on Wampad? Oh, no. Thing? No. No, actually, no. Definitely not. I think they yourself at like 3 a.m. when you want to read a fan fiction. Yeah, it used to be like a nice, like, you know, teenage, like, I don't know, like 13 year olds to come on and like write a book and stuff. But like, it's definitely been like, I don't know, now it's kind of full of stuff anyone would want to read. <laughs> but that was a, that was a seminal money, reading right? experience for you all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you like, there are some good books on there. Yeah, but yeah they have, like, they're not. They're not well written, but they're good to read. Yeah, because yeah, anyone can write on there. Yeah, because anyone can write on there. Yeah. Can I throw? Can I also like? Can I expose Fizza for a second? Just be like, Divergent was trash, bro. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I but like real it. talk. <laughs> I really appreciate your public accountability on that. Like, it's, it's really good for you that you that you inflicted all of that damage on your friends and that you're willing to own up to it. Like, I, I really appreciate mm-hmm. you recognizing that. So I hope that that was validating for the rest of you and knowing that, yes, Fizza put you through the pain that she put you through with her divergent <laughs> obsession. And no. you know, I, just, I just hope that you can all heal from that. I hope that that was a healing moment for you all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, what action? Okay. You thought you were an erudite. Yeah, you did. You thought you were an erudite. Yeah. But also, I, I would have joined Amity, <laughs> no question. They were just so peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Amity was dope. That's where I, that's where I would hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you give me Amity vibes. <laughs> I have or no candor, idea if that's a compliment they only wear, like, black and <laughs> I, like, I feel like I would be candor. I mean, I feel like, I feel like Anna, Anna would just make her own faction. <laughs> what? <laughs> one faction, Allison. What list? No. No. I, Allison is a hundred. I would say a hundred percent dauntless. Yes. All the way, without a doubt. Okay. So edgy. <laughs> 
so edgy. But like, you're not like the. See, you're not the jump off of buildings, dauntless. Like, you're not that dauntless. You're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm in here. I'm, I'm doing my thing. I think that's the. I, I feel like that's that's the vibe I'm getting. I feel like her style, like her style is style dauntless, but her personality definitely. Yeah, her personality. Okay. I feel like maybe either erudite or maybe Amity. I don't know. I don't know. She's divergent. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, no, yeah, for sure. She, she's this is this is ridiculous. Number one, this is the longest I've ever talked about divergent. Number one. Uh, number two, you can't fault me for uh, for for classifying Allison by just the aesthetic, because like, yo, it's been Zoom all year long, and she's just chilling with sunflowers in the background. Like, I don't know. That's got Dauntless vibes to me. But like maybe a dauntless amity vibe, I could I could see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, something else, like I said, the, the the conversation that you all had about um, representation, I thought was awesome. I loved, <laughs> I love that you appreciated the opportunity to read Giovanni's room. Um, I love that you recognized that that was something that was included in our curriculum. I, you know, I like to. I would love to pat myself on the back and say like, hey, good job, Mr. B. You included a queer protagonist for the very first time in your 12 years of teaching. But then when you say that out loud, it's like, dude, like one time with a choice unit, like you had six of your students to like read this book, you know, you have to do a little bit better. And, you know, we try. But I, I appreciate that you all were all able to recognize that. And I appreciate that it was so validating to hear you because we can get teachers can get, can get down on themselves and, you know, we're very, very reflective and we're always trying to do a little bit better, but it was great to, to hear you all talk about the value that you saw and some of the diverse representation that you saw in, um, in the books that you've read over, you know, your time at Lake Park. So that, that felt great to hear. So I appreciated that. Um, you know, when you said that, somebody said that, you know, reading has made you a lot less selfish, like that's how it works. <laughs> Like that's that's stories, that's literature, right? I mean, there's there's scientific and psychological studies about the development of like empathy in people by reading fiction specifically, and not not just watching television, or but literally reading fiction books and the development of empathy. So it was cool for you to hear you guys just talk about that and recognize that in yourselves. So that just you know that's. <laughs> I, I use this, I say this sometimes, but that gave me Grinch heart, you know, it grew three, my heart grew three, three sizes too big when I heard that. I was like, oh, that's great. I also got Grinch heart when Anna was like, low, low, low key, low key. Like, this is really sad. Like, this is the end of it. <laughs> but I, I hope that you guys have had fun doing this over the year. I've definitely had fun listening to you. Um, you guys are fun people. I appreciate your personalities. I appreciate your your honesty and your candor, if I can use that word. (laughs) Um, Yeah, those were, that was, uh, the only other notes was somebody said that you had a classmate who wasn't allowed to read dork diaries. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I, I love when somebody's parents, like, won't let them 
do a thing or read a thing because like when i was in fourth grade on sega genesis the game was mortal Kombat, and you had to put in a, a code for there to be blood in the game and so that was like a no i couldn't do that it's like all right cool i'm going to chris mackle's house to go play mortal Kombat. it's <laughs> so like i guarantee you that she she got to read dork diaries she just found a friend who had them so um and a la- last note i don't remember um i don't remember who said this but like talking about reading stories that about what that were about a culture that was familiar to you but then also in a language that you needed to learn like that's at the very core of what you were all sort of talking about and what we as english teachers need to do in terms of representation like we need to make familiar looking stories available to students we need to have those mirrors for students to look into so they can develop an understanding not just of like basic language principles but you know general literacy and and everything that we're doing in literature because we just keep shoving the catcher in the rye and you know in in the faces of the students who don't feel like holding caulfield like that's that's not gonna that's not gonna do the job so yeah because and i always fight about catcher in the rye so which side are you on i hate it i really like it oh (laughs) Fizza, tell me more about it. Why do you like it? Um, I like that we get to be inside his brain. Yeah. I think it's kind of like how my brain works. So, Dude. Like, try, reading that on paper was like fun. That, so I, I like I said, I reread Yeah, I reread it like a year ago. And I remember being like, I get why people don't like this dude. But I also get why maybe some people don't like me. <laughs> but i think that what that book tries to do it does very very well so i think there's there's something in that so that's the bell this is it this is your last like required assignment how do you guys feel yeah Yeah. um i I these make me sad too like, this is the last time I can get you all. See you, everybody. This is the last time I can get you all, like, on camera, like, here, hanging out, talking about, like, literature and things that we've shared together. I think that, like, there's also, like, this year has been so hard, pandemic, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. <laughs> like, like, I feel like you were all, I hope that you all felt like you were able to make the best out of this opportunity and connect with each other because it seems like you guys had fun. And, um, yeah, I, I hope it sounds like you appreciate it. I hope you did. Yes, we did. I like this better than last week. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Yo, but real talk, you guys needed to knock that test out of the park yesterday. Because, like, if the scores come back and they're not great, I'm going to be so sad. And like, oh, no. What would you do all year with these kids, Mr. Bundle? Podcast? Give them tests and quizzes. Yo, first of all, first of all, the College Board is an evil entity trying to take over the world. Somebody needs to write a dystopian future, like futuristic divergent type novel where the College Board is a totalitarian government. And that is. I'm sure it's on Wattpad. So here, this will be our own little, like, uh, insurgent cell right here with this podcast right now trying to take down 
what would we call their what would we call oh they will they'll be like acorn and it will be some like acronym like acorn <laughs> that'll yeah. be it yeah <laughs> so but yeah anna's gotta get to class um you all have meets that you have to jump into soon but um yeah it was wonderful getting to know you all this year and getting to hear you and listen to you i learned a lot from you and i appreciate you um, and everything you put in the class this year so bye, bye. bye everyone <laughs>